In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint John the Evangelist. Saint Andrew. All holy guardian angels, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Well, thank you for coming out this afternoon and just for a chance to chat about what, um, what this parish combination is going to look like and to ask questions. This is really meant to be a time as well to ask some questions. So the rundown of what we're going to look like, I'm recording this and um, I have about a 20, 25 minute presentation just being very honest and transparent about some of the things um, and considerations. Um, nothing with this, as I mentioned this weekend, is being kept super secret. There's no, uh, I externally process, so <laughs> you can try. I, there's not a big filter on, on what, I, what I'm saying or not saying. So I have my comments, then I'll stop the recording, I'll restart it, and then we'll have the time for the question and answers that can go for as long as, as, long as you have questions. I need to be back at St. Francis by five o'clock tonight. So I'm here for as long as you need. Um, and that'll be a separate recording, which then what I will do is uh, I'll compile it into just a, a kind of summarized question and answers so that we have the recording of the actual presentation and the questions and answers summary um, that can be backed up by the recording. And this way, anyone who couldn't come can you know have access to this information. We are kind of... We're not going to be distributing it widely until every parish has had their opportunity to hear the talk and to ask questions. And then once that happens, then we will be able to widely distribute um, so that everyone can have as much information as possible. Very, I don't need a microphone, right? Everyone can hear me? We're okay? Good. All right. Great. So um, let's start with um, this whole thing that we, we announced a couple... Um, a couple weeks ago has been has been a long time coming, right? Uh, the, we could just probably pull up extra chairs or there's some space over here. We'll spread out to wherever we need. But this whole thing has been a, um, it's been a long time coming. I, when I got to New Britain, I heard the legends of Father Smith's retirement countdown, right? Only X amount more days until I get to retire. And and absolutely, well, by the way, happy birthday, Father Smith, right? He, um, uh, big birthday yesterday, so... What, it was 76 yesterday, um, so um, big happy birthday to him. And actually, spoilers, he, I believe right now, is at the hospital with Father Daniel Voitin. Father Daniel um, will be hopefully the new chaplain who will uh, take over at the hospital for him when he retires. So Father Daniel's going to live with me at St. Francis, and he will take over at the hospital end of things. Um, and then as well, he'll be responsible probably for Mid-State Hospital as well. So not just New Britain, but also Mid-State, because right now Mid-State has no priest. And so anytime there's an emergency at Mid-State, there's no priest that's available to be readily present to people there. So Father Daniel will probably split his time between both hospitals, but he won't have the pastor duties like Father Smith had. So whereas Father Smith was between Holy Apostles and the hospital, Father Daniel will be just the two hospitals and not the same requirement of time um, in the parish. So we've been talking about this for a while. The specifics of what this plan kind of looks like and what was announced a couple weeks ago, um, this has been over a year in specific conversations, 
particularly between the diocese and the pastors of New Britain. About a year ago, um, some representatives from the archdiocese came and spoke to all the priests of New Britain and Bristol to talk about what would have to happen when Father Smith did retire, as well as in some of the other parishes. And so we have been talking about this for a while. I do want to say, uh, so there's been a lot of conversation between us, and, um, but I also want to say, just so there's no misconceptions, the plan as it um, emerged that our four parishes would come together um, and the church usage that that would entail. This was not kind of a Hartford-imposed plan. Um, I can say the Archdiocese actually had a different plan for what we should do. And um, in consultation with Father Smith, with the pastors, Father Keogh, Father Granado, myself, the Archdiocese actually took our advice. And so what, we are, what is happening is actually what the four pastors of the parishes involved um, have requested that we do uh, and what we think we, we need to do moving forward. So again, this is not the archdiocese just imposing something upon the local community. This is the pastors of these communities really kind of talking and meeting um, with some regularity over the last year and saying this is what we think would be manageable. So to recap what was announced a couple of weeks ago and then what Father Smith as well put in the, in the bulletin, uh, right now, we have our four parishes, Holy Apostles, St. Um, Catherine Drexel, Divine Providence, and St. Francis of Assisi, that are going to stay, as of January 1st, are going to stay four independent parish corporations, but will have one pastor, which will be me. Uh, and that that will be, um, there will be an assistant priest who will be assigned there will be three deacons, including Deacon Jim Marina, who's currently at St. Francis, who looks forward to being back here. So Deacon Jim will be back, as well as the two deacons over at Divine Providence. Um, Father Daniel will primarily be responsible for the hospital, but that he will be willing to help out if we need something. Monsignor Frank Matera, who recent, who's native of New Britain, recently retired from St. Mary's in Simsbury, only lives about 10 minutes uh, away. He, your cousin, Monsignor Matera, yeah, he, um, he offered as well. He's going to want to help out and be part of the team. Um, we have all of our staffs in the different parishes. At the university, we have four full-time focused missionaries that are working with the students at CCSU. Um, so we'll have this team, uh, but the parishes will stay four independent parishes. Now, between those four parishes, we have seven church properties, right? Um, that's a lot. Um, and that that is part of the parameters of what we have to decide and what will have to happen going forward is that we are only going to be able to regularly use four buildings. The other three buildings, a church doesn't actually close until you sell it, right? So it's not we're closing these churches. That doesn't happen until it gets sold. What it is, is it's not open for, we don't have regular mass there, right? So it's not, it won't have a regular mass, but people would still be able to have, as long as we own the property, people would still be able to have funerals there, baptisms, weddings. Uh, and then if there were a special feast day or kind of a historical day that we wanted to do something, it stays our property. Um, but that three of them, three of these churches would not be used for regular worship. And that the way that it was decided and consulted about would be, that would be one church from each of the parishes that currently has two churches, right? So um, 
That way we're all, all four parishes that are coming together are each going to have one regular use church and that that would be um, what we're going to use going forward. Now, just look at the numbers for that. There's a few different things to talk about. Um, even when our four parishes come together, and eventually, hopefully by July 1st, will be one parish corporation. Because until July 1st, with four separate parishes, it's four separate parish councils, four separate finance councils, four separate banking systems. All of the collections have to be counted and recorded separately. You can't just take money from one parish to pay another parish's bills. So every parish would stay 100% responsible for all of its liabilities, and there would be no opportunity for one parish to help another parish uh, in any way. So we have to get to one parish, hopefully by July at the latest, so that a lot of these things can be streamlined. And we're not, like after we count the collection on Monday morning, we don't have to then drive to four different banks to deposit it, right? It just is, that can get to be quite a headache. But even when we come together as one parish, we will still be the smallest parish in New Britain, right? So this is not... Like it's, it's uh, for numbers of registered families, Divine Providence has 519, Holy Apostles has 210, Catherine Drexel has 638, St. Francis has 289. That equals 1,656 registered families. Holy Cross and Sacred Heart, between the two of them combined, have 4,000 families, right? And those two communities are probably going to be asked to come together uh, when Monsignor Plaharchik retires in about two years. And so they're going to have to go through this process as well. They're going to have 4,000 families between just the two parishes coming together. Between our four parishes coming together, we're going to have 1,600. Um, St. Joachim technically only has 1,100 registered families, but there's a lot of unregistered families with regard to the fact that they have the very growing Spanish community. So uh, that number, the number of what's registered with the diocese is not an accurate portrayal of the families that identify with St. Joachim, even if it's not on paper registered. So that's what we're looking at uh, with regard to the needs. Now, that, is, that means that we're going to have some very difficult, as I mentioned over the weekend, some very difficult um, and challenging decisions, but it, it is something we have to do, right? It's not a capacity problem. It's not, a, um, it's not a, an overburden with an incredible amount of, of families and people. It, right now, what, we, what we're going to have starting January 1st is buildings. We're going to have a lot of buildings. Just so you know, and we've done the math, we're anticipating it's going to cost us $10,000 about Every time it snows, right? Every time it snows, just to clear our properties, it's going to cost 10 grand. We're not bringing in that kind of money on the weekend, right? That doesn't even matter, you know, paying the staff and all these types of things. 10 grand every single time it snows living in New England. That's just not, um, the buildings are are a very real concern. So we have to make some, some tough decisions about buildings. Now, like I said, I want to be very straightforward and very honest about everything. Here's my projection. Um, St. Francis is the only building for that property, so the St. Francis property um, is going to stick around. My projection would be that we're going to go with the St. Jerome property over the St. Morris property. Again, Jerome, among all of our seven churches, is the biggest church, right? It's the, if we're trying to come together as one family, you don't get rid of your biggest, uh, you know, best-conditioned church, 
uh, for St. Jerome, right? Has the biggest parking lot. I, most of you have probably been to St. Jerome at some point, right? It's entirely flat, no steps, right? So it's entirely handicap accessible. It's well lit. It also has the best office building. So I'm anticipating that the offices for the parish would be at the St. Jerome campus um, because it has the best outfit to be able to have all of our staffs. And Mary Ellen and I have been talking for the last couple of weeks with all the staffs. All of our staff is ideally going to work in one building so that there's one phone number and people aren't wondering, where do I call to book a mass? Where do I call to schedule a funeral? Where do I call to get a priest to go to the hospital if there's an emergency or to one of the nursing homes? So we're going to, Jerome has the best facility to be able to accommodate that. There's a very big question between St. Joseph and St. Peter coming from Divine Providence Parish. And that is one that I would say is a very open question. Um, Joseph is bigger. It has more property. It has parking. Uh, it has the rec has the rectory, it has the school building that right now is being used as an ESL pro for an ESL program. Um, it, like I said, it's bigger. Um, it's in way worse condition than St. Peter's. St. Peter's is smaller. Um, it doesn't have a lot of parking. It's not handicap accessible, um, but it's in really good shape, right? So that is actually a, a very difficult, uh, that's, that's gonna be one where we are having um, on Friday, someone from the Archdiocese is coming out and looking at all the properties to give us an idea of what are we looking at. Because we could say we're going to go with one building over another, and then that building needs a new furnace and a new roof, and then we're just going to bankrupt our, our parish trying to you know, stick with that. Um, now, here at Holy Apostles, uh, to be honest, it, it is very much looking like, and Father Smith's recommendation would be that St. John's stay the campus for the parish, and that St. Andrew's be available for weddings and funerals and things like that. Um, if you look at the numbers for the mass attendance, um, well, first of all, St. John's currently has the two masses. Andrew's has the one. From this weekend, there were 56 people at the vigil mass. Um, there were 39 at the 1030 here at St. John's. There were 36 at the 930 at St. Andrew's. Um, Andrew's also, it needs significant structural work, right? There's significant work that would need to go into making the, it is a big church, right? It's the second biggest. Technically, it's bigger than St. Francis for seating capacities. St. Francis is our second biggest church. St. Francis is bigger than St. Joe's. Um, but uh, Andrew's is bigger than that. Um, it has the parking across the street. Um, but it, from what it's looking like, and again, in the question and answer, I'm, I'm happy to field any questions. But, um, but for what it would be looking like uh, from Holy Apostles Parish, it would seem like St. John's is in the best condition to be the church to go forward um, with the parking lots, with the, um, with the capacity. I mean, you can fit uh, 406 people. If you count up just this, pews can fit eight people. There's three sections. There's 17 pews in each one. That's 406 people. And Andrews, I think, is uh, calculated at about 500. So it's only about a 100-person difference. Now, I'll be honest, again, I want to be totally honest. St. Andrew's is the most beautiful church out of all the seven, right? I walked into St. Andrew's and I'm like, holy moly, right? This is the most, I did talk to, again, if this is the direction that the decision goes, um, there's a parishioner, the grand knight of our, our Knights of Columbus Council at St. Francis works for the Wadsworth. 
and we would actually discuss, is there a way, they, they have the technology to like the mosaics and the stencil work to actually preserve that and to, to find a way to, to make a, a replica of it exactly so that it could be incorporated into whatever we do going forward. Um, so there are ways to save the patrimony of the building as best we can, again, if it were, if it were to be uh, cost-benefit. So that's, that's very honestly, again, there's no kind of secrets. and That's honestly what I'm thinking for, for the buildings. For the mass schedule, um, what I would project would be, oh, yeah, what I project would be one vigil mass and then anywhere between three and five Sunday masses, right? Um, let me read you what we have right now, and then toward the end of the question and answer, I'd be very interested in everyone's opinions and some thoughts about the, the mass schedule. But here's what we have between our churches right now. We have a four o'clock at Jerome, a four o'clock at Joseph, a four o'clock at John, an eight o'clock at Francis, an 8.30 at Peter, a nine o'clock at Andrew, a nine o'clock at Morris, a 10 o'clock at Francis, a 10 o'clock at Joseph, a 10.30 at John, and an 11 o'clock at Jerome. All within, what, 10 minutes of each other, maybe 15 here to St. Jerome would be the furthest drive if you hit the lights wrong, right? Um, all those, now, this weekend, we, you know, we're doing the October counts and everything. If you take the October counts of everyone that attended all those masses, there's 108 at Jerome's 4 o'clock, 63 at Joseph's 4 o'clock, 56 here at John's 4 o'clock, 68 at St. Francis's 8 o'clock, 85 at Peter's 8.30, 36 at Andrew's 9 o'clock, 62 at Morris's 9 o'clock, 142 at Francis's 10 o'clock, 120 at Joseph's 10 o'clock, 39 at John's 10.30, and 126 at Jerome's 11 o'clock, right? So if you just look at the, that is a total between all of those, what is it, 11 masses? Um, 11 masses, that's a total of 905 people. Jerome's has a capacity, if you open the side, of over 1,000, right? So our problem, again, is not how do we fit people. Where's the, everyone will have a space. Everyone will have a seat. Uh, the problem is, is how spread out we are and that we're not right now working together. So my projection, and we'll talk about some of the specifics toward the end, is one vigil mass, which I would project would be at St. Jerome's. is the biggest. It could fit everybody, right? So St. Jerome's would be able to fit everyone. It's got the lighting. It's got the handicap accessibility. Um, the parking is right near the entrance. So that would be my, my projection for that. Um, confessions. What I, oh, no, sorry. Let me go back to masses. I would anticipate with the priests that we're going to have, we would actually have two daily masses. Right now for daily mass in between our parishes, Jerome, or Catherine Drexel, St. Francis, and Divine Providence, all three of us have mass at 8 o'clock in the morning, right? All three of us are saying Mass at 8 o'clock in the morning, again, five to seven minutes from each other. So my anticipation is we'd have one 8 o'clock morning Mass, Monday through probably Saturday, and then one, uh, we'd have an evening Mass at 5.30, so that people that have to be in work by 8 or 8.30 could maybe come when they get out of work at 5.30. So that would be for daily Masses to be able to offer additional, and the 5.30 would work very well as well for the college students who getting a college student up at eight o'clock happens, but it's tough. So to offer them an option after school to be able to go to mass is an option. Um, great. Confessions. Um, we would try to offer confessions before every single mass in every church 
30 minutes before the Mass. So whether it's daily Mass or Sunday Mass, confessions would be 30 minutes before every Mass, so you didn't have to wonder. I know there's some churches that have multiple campuses like, well, this weekend, confessions at this church, and this weekend, confessions at this church, and you can never figure out where to go to confession, right? So it's just, if you're coming to Mass, if you get there 30 minutes early, Whoever's saying the Mass will be able to hear confessions till probably about five or ten minutes before Mass begins. And that that way we could have confession readily available in all of our churches. Okay, probable future. Um, so af- immediately we're going to have, um, there's going to be a meeting on November 15th. Um, and that'll have two delegates from each parish. And um, at that meeting, we're going to discuss everything and that committee, we're going to make a recommendation. We're going to have the, here's, here's the committee's recommendation all coming together and talking about everything and trying to see um, the, the buildings, the math schedule, just a kind of a final recommendation with representatives from each parish. Um, after that meeting, I'll take those recommendations and I'll talk to the other three pastors as well and see if they agree with the committee's recommendations, disagree, want to offer any thoughts. What do they think? Then we're going to take the composite of that and say to the archdiocese, here's what we want to do. Do you have any major objections to this, right? Um, I'll be, and again, very honestly, um, I'm willing to take responsibility for everything that we decide, right? So nowhere in this process will I say, no, no, like, let's get a committee so we can blame them if someone doesn't like it. Very honestly, if someone doesn't like something, we could blame the circumstances. Okay, that's probably more realistic. Um, but feel free to blame me. Like, I, I do want to be very honest about that. The members who are going to serve on the committee, I'm very grateful for their being willingness to do that. Um, I know some people who have been asked have said from other areas and other parishes have said, no, this is going to be bad for my public reputation, business, anything like that. I don't want to be part of it. Um, we're not going to blame a committee for anything. Like, please, ultimately, I'll make the recommendation of the diocese. And and if they say, no, change this, I'm not going to turn around and say, blame the archdiocese. I'm appointed at the, you know, by the will of the archbishop. And so I take responsibility for whatever we we implement. So, um, and I'm very happy to talk about that as we go forward. Great. Um, Good. After that committee meets, we'll have a mass schedule, hopefully by Thanksgiving, if it all gets approved, so we can start publicizing it, getting it out there to take effect on January 1st. Um, and then sometime after, probably in mid-February, we will have, we'll start up our longer-term transition committee. Part of the reason why we're going to wait a month and a half is because there's just a reality that with the change in mass times and change in buildings, some people are going to want to go to mass somewhere else, and they're going to want to get involved with another parish, and, and that's going to happen. It's, it's, it'll be unfortunate, um, and, and there's definitely people we're going to miss. But there may have been certain people that are driving. I know my parents drove like a half hour sometimes to go to our home parish growing up because they loved my home pastor, who I love. When he retired, he was the reason they kept going to that church. They decided they were going to go somewhere else. That's going to ha- there are certain people, I'm sure, here at Holy Apostles who love Father Smith, and rightly so, right? But maybe when Father Smith retires, it'll be like, well, I live only five minutes from another church in Newington or in Plainville or somewhere, and maybe it'll just be easier to go to Mass there and not have to be driving all the way to New Britain. There's certain people that are going to decide that. Um, and that's okay. What a, everyone is free person to go wherever they want. So we're going to wait till probably mid-February to see 
kind of who's around. So that anybody that says, you know, no, maybe I don't want to do the driving anymore if it's not the same, same building, same time, um, that they have the freedom to do that and they don't get themselves stuck on a committee and then not have that freedom to express that. So we'll probably in mid-February start a longer-term transition committee. That'll be to talk about um, longer-term decisions, about building um, any church that is not open regularly. We are going to have to look into selling over time or for some alternative usage. Um, so that is, um, that'll be part of that committee. We really, we're not going to be able to take multiple winters of having $10,000 a snowstorm. Uh, it, it's just, it, it will deplete everything we have in savings, just clearing snow and keeping our buildings heated as best we can if we, if we really, you know, just make that the priority. So we're going to have to look into that. So that transition committee will probably meet monthly for at least a year to kind of ease through the transition, to offer communication, to offer feedback, to have real transparency. Um, one of the things we will have to do is with a new mass schedule, any Sunday mass that's having less than 75 people regularly, we're going to evaluate as part of that committee of what do we do? How do you know, the schedule, the mass schedule on January 1st may not be the mass schedule a year from now. If certain things work better than others, or if the furnace in one of our buildings that we decide to use totally goes under and we have to say, do we replace it? Do we not? Do we use one of the other buildings? Also, just because a building's not being used on January 1st doesn't mean it'll never be used again as a Catholic church. It means right on January 1st, we're not regularly saying mass there. We are going to start seeing if there's another use for it so that we don't have to pay for it. I know that there is a group that's interested in one of the other churches in the area, in the conglomerate, um, that would hopefully be able to provide some, it's a Catholic organ, you know, using it for a Catholic purpose so that it could stay used as a church, just not a, a, a church of the parish where we have regular mass. The parish would still own it. This group would hopefully pay for the utilities and the plowing and all of that, but that we would, they would hopefully shoulder the burden of carrying the property so that it could be neutral for the parish. Does that make a little bit of sense of what we're looking at? So if we could keep it, these things as a church, that would be, um, that would be nice. That's always the, the, that's the long-term goal. Now, again, more probably bad news. Um, we do have to get down as, re- as soon as possible, not immediately, but as soon as possible, we are going to have to try to move to having only two regular use churches, right? To get to four is not the end goal, right? We're not going to like get to four and be like, all right, we're done. Because even four and maintaining that is still going to be something that's not long-term maintainable. Again, that doesn't mean, and what I would hope is that that doesn't mean that we're going to just sell things and knock them down and they become housing or they become whatever. What it means is it's not, some of our churches are not going to be churches that the parish primarily uses. Maybe staying owned by the parish, um, but hopefully there's, uh, there are other growing Catholic communities, even in our own city, that can hopefully find use in our buildings and help pay for them so that while we wouldn't have as regular of a use of it, we also wouldn't have the burden of needing to pay to maintain all of these, prop- uh, these properties. So, um, Possibilities. You know, more uh, a diversified mass opportunity system, I think, is, is very good, having different times 
rather than all of us kind of being just around the one time, both daily and Sunday. I think that um, consolidating uh, will have more life and attendance, right? To be at Mass with a, with a good crowd and to, ha- to have a lot of life, I think there's a lot of possibility and potential in that. Also, working together in a way that's smarter, not harder, right? It, um, and particularly the benefit of having multiple priests working as part of one team. Last Monday, I had, um, I had my morning things. I was covering for Father Smith, who was on his day off. Um, I was out of town for a meeting, and then I got a call to a nursing home for a dying person. Um, and then five minutes later, as I'm still like a half hour away, got a call to the hospital for another dying person and had to be back at St. Francis for my five o'clock confessions, right? And this was all happening within like two hours in the afternoon, and I'm at least a half hour, 45 minutes away. And so it's not like there was another priest at St. Francis that would have been easily able to just go and do that. And there were priests in other parishes, but Father Smith was on his day off and well-earned and rightly deserved, um, and we are responsible for covering the hospital in that time. Um, Father Granado and Father Keogh both have their responsibilities that they've kind of planned. They're doing their things. I called a priest from another town to do the nursing home because it was closer to that town's border, and he was willing to go, but on top of his... So by not having our priests working together, what ends up happening in that situation is, well, I've got to be in two different directions at pretty much the same time, and now I have to call the priest and try to find help rather than having a centralized team where, yes, of course this person could do the confession so I could go to the nursing home so they could do that. Another example, Father Granado one day had his morning mass and then two funerals, like one after another, but because he's the pastor, it's his parish, he did it, and meanwhile, I had nothing going on that day. So it's like, well, I could have helped, it, but there's a certain reality that the pastor of parish should say the funerals, or a priest assigned to the parish at least. We don't want to just bring in substitute priests for this important thing of someone's funeral. So as we're working together, there'll be more opportunity to actually work together and not just each be doing our own thing. Difficulties. Um, and this is kind of one of my final points. Um, this is going to be tough. I, there's a reality. We're very, we are, our buildings, we put a lot of effort into maintaining them, into building them, into, we've worshipped here, people have gotten married here, been baptized here, they've buried family members here. Um, we, we're very attached to our buildings. We put a lot of effort into those. There's, that's good. Like, we, we've done it. To, to make this move is going to be difficult. And, and these things aren't taken lightly, right? We're not just like, hey, let's just inflict pain on people and do this, right? This is something that we, we have to do because of the situation we're in. This is no different than any parent who's have, ever been in the tough situation of sitting down with their kids and saying, look, you know, one or both of us lost our jobs. Financial situations have changed. We're not, you're not going to get what you wanted for Christmas, right? You're not going to, we can't, we can't take care of it. We're, you know, this is a family that has seven houses and we have to say, we, we can't, we don't have the size and the, the resources to keep seven houses, um, we, we need to make some tough choices. And so this is difficult, um, but, it, but it's a reality of what we have to do. And it would actually be irresponsible parenting for, for parents to, to put the family deep, deep in debt in order to not just have some of those tough conversations that sometimes we, we have to have. So this is a tough conversation for our parishes, but it's stuff that we have to do. Um, we are, it, we're still, we'll still be a relatively small parish. Thriving parishes that have a lot of baptisms, a lot of CCD, you know, the kids in religious education, hundreds of kids getting confirmed every year, um, these things. 
we're, we're still going to have to work toward that. We're building to the ground up to try to jumpstart something. We're going to do it together. Uh, but we still have to have an eye for what's it going to look like in 20 years or more. And then how are we going to pay for it all, right? That's another big, big question. How do we pay for all of this? Um, and, and what does it look like? So those were my initial thoughts. Um, that's kind of the, the throwing, throwing it all out there with total honesty. That's, where, that's what I've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks. And um, that's that. So I'm going to stop this recording, start another recording, and then be available um, and just, if, actually, if everyone just, if you, if you want to, whatever questions we go, just maybe uh, introduce yourself before the question or say your name again before the question will just be, be helpful. So stopping one recording.